What's up, everybody? Lenny White here, and I want to welcome you to the IUE Universe podcast. On this podcast, I, Lenny White, want to invite you, the listener, to join me and my guests as we discuss music, arts, science, some amazing personal journeys, and everything in between. Born and raised in Connecticut, Ken Kitchings was surrounded by music his whole life, thanks in part to his father, Chester. At age 10, he was given a sparkle red Slingland drum set, which sat in the family dining room where he learned standards as he accompanied his dad's organ playing after dinner. During his teen years, he played in rock bands and picked up the guitar. Adulthood brought adult responsibilities. Translation, working for the family business. In 2007, the family business was sold, and Ken seized the opportunity to pursue his love of jazz music by producing shows at Garden Arts Center in New London, Connecticut. At the Guard, he developed a small space for jazz concerts, showcasing the likes of Cyrus Chestnut, Julian Lodge, Jeremy Pelt, Helen Sung, Buster Williams, and many more. In 2011, the old line property became available and the vision of the Side Door Jazz Club materialized. Five plus years and over 500 shows later, Ken still has a passion for introducing world-class jazz musicians to audiences of all ages. When not in the club on Friday and Saturday evening, Ken can be found playing drums in the Old Lime Inn lobby with the Steve Donovan Trio or heard on his weekly internet radio show, Jazz with Ken, on ICRV Radio. Hey everybody, Lenny White here with another IUE podcast and today I'm talking to a dear friend Ken Kitchens who owns the side door up in Old Lyme, Connecticut and it's interesting now because I'm talking to a club owner. Ken, how are you? Yeah, man, it's, I'm wonderful. Man, I'm glad to see you. I'm glad to be with you. <laughs> glad to be seen. Glad to be seen. <laughs> it's nice to get out of Connecticut. Ah, right. You know, right. it's like I've hit the Big Apple, man. I'm a, like fourth grader walking around, man. I was on the subway today, man. I was a lost puppy. Man. <laughs> you know, you could be you could be 65, but you get lost in the subway. You, you're That's learning. Right. That's right. That's right. You so, know. Ken, now you've had the side door for how long now? Uh, I've had it. The side door has been going. I think we're coming on our fifth year. Well, uh, when I came up, I yeah, came up you, with Buster. You, you, you did. You did a con. You right. promoted a concert right. that I did with uh, Buster Williams. That you were. Uh, it's interesting story because that was one of Buster's. You know, you were in that band, and I was talking to Buster Williams that night. And remember, we sat around. It was really neat. We kind of had just had a bottle of wine. We were talking about all kinds of things. So I finally said, "Oh, what the hell? I'm going to show." show Buster this vision of this club and you were there yeah and, I, was, uh, I was with him yeah. so I said to him hey before breakfast why don't you come over and uh, take a look at this and uh, the concept of it I mean my wife and I we bought and it's an inn it's an old line 18 1896 wow. you know old yeah and in the 70s they built an addition to it which is this round kind of 
room and uh, it was kind of a banquet room and uh, so when we bought it bought the inn I really you know the inn business is big and I said well what do I want to do you know what do I really want to do and I really wanted to start a jazz club and uh, at that point this room was beckoning to me I had a great <laughs> architect to do something really special right, right so when I had that concert with you guys it was in Shabbles. I mean, the vision was not quite there. Well, we went in. You took us in there. Yeah, I did. Right. And and the ceiling was probably half ripped down, and we hadn't taken a couple of walls out. And uh, I showed it to you guys. And uh, I remember Buster kind of saying, kind of looking at me and saying, okay, you know, this is great. Uh, you tell me when this is going to get finished, and someday I'll come play there. <laughs> but right now, I want to get something to eat. Exactly right, right, right. right. <laughs> you know who he is. So yeah, it was but, like, but yeah, you also showed us the end too, because yes. you hadn't finished the end. No, no, I mean, it like, was you know, it was a it was whole, under construction. Yeah, we bought the end, and it was a year and a half. You know, it's 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 no such thing as a good deal. You know, especially when you have buildings that are that old. And but uh, as we got into it, you know, you start taking the wallpaper off you look at the floor you look you know furnace heat but it was it was it was uh it was about the language of love it was about love it was about restoring this building right and uh, well, you did a great job and, and we brought it back just humming beautiful and uh i had a great architect at the time and uh had the vision and went in there and she said she just said two more things to me she says take this bathroom out which we ripped out it was this ugly bathroom in there and there was this wall and the wall had the furnace and the oil heater in it. And it was just blue carpet. I mean, ugly. I mean, I mean, <laughs> ugly, ugly. <laughs> Everything about it was ugly. Yeah, and But then I kind of said, well, if you have this kind of round side, everyone who sits in here can be into the music. So I felt like, I felt like, uh, yeah, this could be a good perspective. So you could, everyone in the, in this room could be part of the music. And, uh, uh, my architect was a genius, ripped this wall out, and there was the bar. So we took that out. Right. So then we created a bar. We took the bathroom out. And we started putting this thing together. And we went to New York, looked at different clubs. And uh, Well, look what now, not to cut you off, no. but what made you, you, you must have had this love for the music. Oh, yeah. To make you want to. Right. Take on the risk of being <laughs> yeah. a club owner playing music <laughs> that is jazz music. Yeah, yeah, jazz. And you got to explain yeah, that yeah. to me. Well, man. it was weird. I was, I was at the time, I, I, I was out of this my first job, and I was kind of almost kind of retired at the time, and I, I thought I'd get into the production and music business, and I thought I'd be an expert at it, but I had no knowledge, and uh, so I went in there flat foot, you know, skippity doo, and. You know, build it and they'll come, right? And uh, <laughs> little didn't know that there's tickets, there's insurance, there's sound systems, there's back line, there's buses, there's, you know, contracts. So I did some of this, and the first big show I did was Herbie Hancock. And uh, I remember getting his contract, and it was like 300 pages, and I freaked out because <laughs> I didn't know what the hell I was doing. So you get the 300-page contract, and you get nervous. Once a Fonzie old piano, once this and that. So I did it, and... As I started doing these productions, um, I, 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 I was beat up. I would, musicians would be tired, long day, you know, and, and the, uh, the music never sounded right to me. You know, you could get 
the back line could be good and the house is horrible. It was an old system. So, And I started doing these shows and I went into like uh, the Neville Brothers and I started doing these big shows. And mm-hmm. what I started realizing as I'm running around spending all this money, uh, I'd sit in the audience and I'd listen. And I'd listen to the Neville or these bands and I'd go, it's horrible. Was, you know what I mean? What, the music was the music, horrible? The, the sound. Sound oh, the was sound, horrible. Sound. The musician was... The back line, we had it. But the, but the audience perspective was shitty. Not good. So I decided to... Uh, I kept thinking about that, about about uh, getting the music as fresh and clean as you could. And so I started thinking smaller. And uh, when I thought smaller, uh, the first... I loved Cyrus Chestnut. And so I called, you know, I called up the agent, and and Cyrus got off the train, and he greeted me, and he said, hello, how are you? And I gave him the hotel, and we had a sandwich, we just had a really good time, and we took a, a kind of a banquet room, and we converted it into a small theater, so like 100 seats. I think you played in there. We played, you we played, played there. Yeah, we played that And they, we call it the, uh, uh, let me think of the name, but then if we call this room... And I started doing small, like, 100-seat jazz shows. Mm-hmm. And as I was dealing with the jazz music, my father was very musical. He ran away from home, played with the Eddie Duchin Orchestra, played tenor Martin guitar, played mm-hmm. saxophone. Mm-hmm. And so when I was a kid, he kind of said, here, play the drums, do something around the house. So I always heard these standards. So I, I knew I had this in my, in my DNA. And as... As as uh, we did the show with the Cyrus, I sat in the audience and I and it just hit me. I mean, these are the people I want to invest my time and my life with. I want to deal with these musicians. That's great because there was a humbleness and honesty that I was so proud of what I was presenting, and so I started doing it. And I would bring in, and I just I fell in love with it. I fell in love with. With number one, the musicians themselves, the sound, the quality that was coming out of this, the tech, just the history of the music coming out. And then I said, okay, so I did that. But then I said, I want to do something of my own eventually, because I wanted to create my own thing. You know? sure. So sure. the idea was uh, when we bought the end, and my wife looked in, and we, I looked at this room, I kind of said, wait a minute, this could be it. This could be my, my, little, my jazz club. You know, I'm not talking to a board of directors. I'm not talking to 12 other people how to run this place. I'm going to run it my way. And it was kind of liberating. And so uh, Sennheiser was up the road, Mm -hmm. which is amazing, world headquarters. So I called them up, and uh, they walked in the room. And I basically had it pretty well gutted at this point. And they walked in, and there was three guys, and they were in there from fitting, and they walked the heck, they walked out. And I said, oh, God, what the hell happened? And the, and the guy says, you have a really good room because we have these rectangular walls. Right. Okay. So the walls are kind of bounced. And then there's this open space. He says, what you have to do is bring the ceiling down, put soundproofing here, and do it. And I did exactly that. And I put the chairs in. Uh, I, I had a, a very basic sound system. And it's very interesting because yeah. we, we normally don't get uh, this perspective of someone that has a successful club and they had a vision mm-hmm. and they showed how to do it. I mean, like, you yeah. know, there's, there's in New York City, there, 
great jazz clubs. I mean, right. like you know, there's there's the uh, Village Vanguard, which oh is probably God. the oldest jazz club in the world. Right. But we don't know. Uh, no one gave us privy to how Max Gordon found the club or, or bought it right. and what he did to it or whatever. Mm-hmm. So this is a very yeah. interesting perspective. Eh, eh. That yeah. But now the thing is that what I do want to ask you is that what's pretty interesting about it is that where your location is, you're mm-hmm. not in New York City. No. You're not in, in uh, Boston. No. You're, you're like in between. You're in between New York City and... You know Boston, which are pretty good jazz hubs. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you're an old lime. You hit it, man. You you hit the bullseye. Yeah, because that's exactly what I thought. I said, how many amazing jazz players drive past here daily basis between Boston and New York? Ninety five. They go right past me, sixty five right. miles per hour. I never mm-hmm. see them again in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I also said to myself, um, why can't I do something? And not be New York or Boston, and not be a city. Why well, don't like become an inn and have musicians come to the inn, be part of the inn? Um, uh, and as um, I started bringing musicians, I think Wallace Roney was like my second act. Yeah, yeah. We come, I played and, with him and, and, up there too. and, you, and I, he walked in the room. I'm about passed out, man. I mean, <laughs> these were friggin' legends walking in here, and they said, "Well, how's your jazz club?" And I was like green around this, and. Uh, Wallace, yeah, we're going to have a heck of a night, you know. So I think Wallace played. We had 15, 20 people in the room. And I kind of sat there and went, hmm, this is okay. But I really had the vision of, of, of jazz and, 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 and make it authentic and, and uh, make it sound good. And so the next thing, I, I call up George Ween. And I asked him, you know, what the hell? I'm going to ask the best promoter of jazz in the world to talk to me. And God and behold it. He came. And yeah, I saw some pictures of him yeah, and so on George the wall Lee up there. Yeah. Came to the club. I was like white. I was so nervous talking to him. <laughs> because come this, on, Ken, this but, guy is but Ken, I mean, you know, come on. You know. Yeah. But so we started talking. And we started saying, he started saying, well, you got to do this. You got agents. You got this. And he told me all these things, you know, when he ran the clubs and festivals and and it was just phenomenal having them here, and I kind of showed him, and he kind of, oh yeah, okay, this is what you got to do, and and I'll never forget as long as I lived. He said, "Who's going to open? You know, who's going to be your main event?" And I said, "Smartest thing I ever did in my life." So I looked directly at George Wee, and I said, "I want you to be the man who opens the club." I said, "If anyone deserves to open the club, you are the man. You are the promoter of jazz. You are the, you wrote the book. You know, I mean, who else could I have?" And he gave me this look. I'll never forget it. He had, you know, his cap. And he gave right. me this look and this kind of a wink. And I loved the man more than ever. I just said, we, we, we made a connection. And, and so it was also brilliant because he brings in Annette Cohen. He brings in absolute star players that come into the club. So we came in. My mother was there. I'll never forget it. We had a ribbon on it. And I hadn't really heard the whole club yet. You know, I hadn't really heard a live band. We've had kind of fans in there. And I'm sitting with my mother, and we cut the ribbon, and I talked way too long. I was, I was like, so excited. I was from fourth grade. George Ween said, enough, Kenny, enough. Right? Let's play some music. So I sat down. George Ween hit the keyboards, and that hit the, hit the music, and it sounded like angels. 
the room just sounded like angels to me. And I said, I've got something. Right at that moment, I said, it's the room, man. I've got this room sounding real live. And then everything about it kind of naturally happened. I, I got good people. Like, everything in life is lucky. Right. right. And I had a great piano tuner, and I worked for him for years. And I said, listen, I need a piano. And he said, I'll take care of you, right? So he goes out, and there's this woman in Stonington, Connecticut, who's moving to Greece, who needs to un- get rid of this Yamaha C piano. And he calls me up and says, Kenny, I don't care what you're doing. I don't care where you are. You are going to come and buy this piano right now. And so, piano tuner. I had a piano player. We played it. As musicians came in, George Cables would play it. And he'd look at me and he'd go, where do you get this piano? <laughs> Charlotte would say, where do you get this piano? You know, all these, all these things. And then I said to myself, I said, I wanted the club to be based on the piano. The piano is kind of like, you know, right. that's, that, that's my point. Well, that's a good point, too. That's my point. if you have a good piano, right. people will want to play your room. Amen. Yes. So when yeah. people come in and they're tired, you know, I've seen musicians come in and they've been on the road and they go, oh, where is this side door? What the hell is this? And they walk in the room and they start playing the piano and they started smiling. And it was just because, number one, I really spent money in making sure it was tuned and the action was right, you know. I almost know what action different piano players like now mm. because I've been doing it long enough. So I well, know. You know, you, 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 you've served the community. Right. Uh, you, you've made uh, a place for people to come and play the music and enjoy the music. I mean, if, you know, when you have musicians that, that are iconic musicians or musicians that, that you know, mm-hmm. really play this music and you make it a safe space for them. Yes. It's important because word of mouth, it gets around and then, you know, people start to come and play your room. Plus, right. you do have Heart mm-hmm. University Amen. that has it. a very good jazz program yep. up there. And so, you know, it's not that it's out of the way. I mean, like, there's, it's a, it's a good stop. I mean, Old Lyme, Connecticut is a really nice, beautiful town. Yeah. And so now you do have, you know, some, some music right. that's there. Right. And, and people can take uh, participate and come and hear some great music. It, and they don't have to go to New York City. Right. Yeah. I don't want to, be- you know, it's like, please come to New York. I'm not saying not to. But one thing, another thing I did, a guy told me, you're crazy. You're never going to make money in well, this. Yeah, that's always the and case. And I always said, you know what? I want to do... And a lot of people have argued me on this. And they said, you're going to get really famous, and you're going to say, you're going to do two sets. And, and right now, I love the concept of people, when I can talk to people that you're going to see, Lenny White and Buster Williams, you're going to see them for, for two hours in right. that room. And by the time you guys are done, they're going to know your style or know who you are, and you're going to get a feel for this crowd. And I think that jazz music... As we're all getting squished, I mean, you know, radio, you, everything's getting squished to me that I think when you go to New York, and I understand it's expensive to run these places, you know, you're going to have a, you're going to, you have to eat, you have to have two drinks, you know, and if you, if I listen to jazz and I'm trying to eat, it's very hard. <laughs> you know, I'll just be honest, it is. Yeah, you, you got yeah. the pepper and you're trying to cut your beef or, you know, and so I said, 
what if I could do this and I have the end that the eating could be done in the other room and when the people come in here it's sit and have a drink and maybe some peanuts you know what I mean and uh, the concept is to listen to the music that's being created yeah not eat and listen to music right which is cool I mean you know like you know you go to a concert hall yep and yeah, you know I think that that gives the music much more respect it gives the music the respect that it deserves uh, when people come and, and they're focused yeah. on the music and not on eating yes. and the music so, and, you know. and I always said the first thing to me was the musician and a lot of club owners I understand if they're saying I gotta fill seats Right. You know, I got to fill seats and I got to get people in here. So we got to do this and this. And they have to make. I was in a situation where I owned the building. I wasn't, I had time. Right. And so the beautiful thing is I had time to develop relationships. So my idea was getting the musician to be happy, getting the musician to come in and play and say, because the best thing I could say about my club is if Lenny White or Buster Williams or George Cable says, man, I played this club and old line because musicians have their own connection their own world which I, I'm nowhere near it I'm, I can't touch it but I can let them be the salespeople. right and so what's happened is there's musicians that are saying hey I want to play your club when I'm in New York or they've heard about the club and so when they come uh, like Dave Liebman was there and he said you know you're really you're teaching an audience to listen again he says, no one's doing that. No one's really saying, hey, you're paying your 35 40 bucks, whatever it is, but you're, you're going to hear Dave Liebman. And, 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 you know, he's going to tell you a story. He may not tell you a story. He, the story he tells you is going to be mind-boggling, you know. And, and you're hearing it at that moment. But it was always, you know, the chairs aren't that comfortable. <laughs> and, and it was funny because a guy told me, you don't want to make your audience that comfortable. I mean, you go to a jazz club, you go to the Village Vanguard, you go, it's a wooden chairs, it's wooden tables, right? It's not about your butt. It, you know, your butt's a little sore, and you see it, and you leave, and your butt, you, you're going to remember, hey, my butt's kind of sore, but man, I really heard that music. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm thinking of a different function of the no, brain. I understand this yeah. But now, now, it's interesting because you've established yourself, and you've established your uh, um, room. Right. And, you know, in the metropolitan area, in, in New York, Connecticut, uh, you know, right. all around, they know about your room. But now you're getting ready to have a augmented venture and mm-hmm. actually record there yeah. and release live recordings right. from the room. So that should put and, you and on that the, Now, that should put you on the map worldwide Thank because you. it's one thing to, to be in the metropolitan area and have a name in the metropolitan area but when you have top flight musicians come and record live mm-hmm. in your club those recordings go all over the world absolutely so it, you know it's been it's about to me when i walk in there i could be kind of tired you know, it's Friday night. I don't really want to go to the jazz club. I want to be, sit by the fire, put my feet up. But now I tell my wife, no, I'm going to go to the club. I walk in the door, and my mood goes up around 20 degrees because the energy uh, of the music, uh, the joy of it, is the most joyous thing to experience, to be 
part of that live music. And like I said, the piano had to be right. Uh, the sound had to be right. And there was everything about the room sounded really good. And then people come to you and say, oh, we can change this and we can put these speakers in. You know, like if it's not broke, let's go back. <laughs> Don't leave it. Right. Leave right. it alone. Right. And, and I really left it alone. And uh, the joy of it was uh, was uh, the smiles on the musicians, uh, the heart students coming in. Right. Um, I think... And then having them play with some of these musicians, they sometimes bring their saxophones, and and um, there's something about education about being taught. You know, or if Nat Reeves is your teacher, and he's teaching, but then you come to a club and you watch Nat Reeves play, it's like a whole other education, because you're seeing it unravel. You're seeing how it all comes through him. Right, right. And I think those students, when they first came in, were like mesmerized. So. It was always sound. So as I did that, I started thinking to myself, it is about sound and it is about live. So we started saying, you know, recording. So we did some recordings and sure enough, I, we do a band and, we, we, and, and this is how we were. We would give them, we'd give them a mix and we'd send it to the band. We'd send it to them. Because personally, I care about them. Yeah, I want to sure. be a place where a musician can come and honestly sound the best that he can because I'm in as I said I'm in your corner I'm in the musician's corner and I think that's why I'm looking at this in the long term rather than hey man I gotta fill seats you know because there's people who look at me and they go hey man you only had 30 people but hey Christian Sand is sold out you know this saying you know it, it's a wave you have to stick to it you know sure. and so doing the live music I started saying why don't we do this the old-fashioned way, where we're going to have the board, you're going to get up on the stage, we'll do a little isolation with the drums, and we're going to play the cut live, flat out, take it. And we did it. And and uh, it, it was, we went through one cut, the musicians would look at each other and go, no, let's do it again. You know, they do it again. How did the audience feel about Well, that? when we were doing that, there was nobody in the room at this point. This ah, was just them and right. me sitting there. And because I can do both, so I could say, hey, on a Wednesday, why don't you, if you come in for a Friday, you can come here Thursday, and we can do four tracks, maybe kind of, you know, like this, and then let's sure. put two live ones on there. And, and as I was listening to it, I heard the comments of the musicians. To me, that's magical. When they start talking about how they want to push this mm -hmm. or move this bar and play this, to me, that's like, that's jazz. And I think people, and I want that even be in the recording. I want to hear them say, hey, let's do it this way, you know, because I think that's part of the live process. That's the, and, and so when you hear the music, it is just direct. There, you know, there's no cut and paste. Oh, you know, I mean... You, you know, like there were some classic recordings, you know, like John Coltrane at at Birdland, yeah, and at the Village Vanguard, Miles right. Davis at the Black Hawk. You know, those kinds of uh, situations, they're more like being a part of a conversation or being being privy to a conversation while it happens. Yes, and so that intimacy is what you get mm -hmm. at your club, right? And so now. Not only will people that go to your club 
experience that, but like you'll be able to put that on a recording, and people that are in Chile will be able to hear, hear that. that conversation mm -hmm. and and the uh, back and forth between musicians and the audience right. that happened in Old Lyme, Connecticut. Connecticut. In Santiago, Chile. Absolutely. So it's a really and, good idea. And, and to me, what better way to sell the club? Exactly. Is the musicians and having them play live and make it the best. I'm, I swear to God, I'm, I'm going to make it the best I can. And, and we had this conversation, having knowledge in the room that can say this, that, and um, you know when you hear a band. In the back of your neck, that the, <laughs> you know what I mean. The little, the little bit, the little bit of fur we got on us sticks up, and you're in the room, and they're doing the third cut of it, and I'm sitting there going, and you watch them, and you watch it, and you're actually watching a moment of time of instantaneous bliss. You know. Well, you you were uh, responsible for an uh, actual landmark record that. Hasn't yep. even been released yet. Right. Yeah. Irresponsible for this Wayne Shorter music. Right. That was done back in 19... Well, he yep. wrote it back in 1967. Right. And, you know, for an orchestra. Oh, and so yeah. you've been involved in that project. Yeah. And... Uh, I... I, You know, I did that because I love Wallace Roney. And I love Wayne Shorter. I've met him. I've... When you talk to Wayne Shorter, you're talking to somebody. It's, yes, yes. You're talking yes. to somebody. I know you have to go there, but you're talking. And this music, to me, was historically um, valuable, valuable, necessary to be heard. And, and and what I loved about doing the recording, number one, Wallace Roney was the man behind the, the seat. He was the man to do this. Oh, and, yeah. He put the magical thing was, was, was he put musicians would come, and I was in his house, and they were just doing some of the uh, some just some of the arrangements just with trombones, and, and and he'd be sitting there in the chair, and you'd hear this, and, and the music is just phenomenal. Oh, that's fantastic! It's, just, it's, it's the densest music that densest I've ever music been I've ever heard. Yeah. You talk about needing the explanation. It was like an education, and watching it kind of start to build and watch how Wallace would work with the trombone. Yeah, you want to do that. And then the idea was, I found there was a spirit to this album that I, I loved. And the spirit was, musicians would come because of their love of Wayne Shorter, because of the history, the history of yeah. this music. These were knowledgeable musicians that knew how important this was to do. And so this wasn't about, hey man, I got to go. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go now. These musicians would go over it. They'd stay there. We'd eat together. I'd meet some of the most amazing. And everybody's head was in the same place. Well, it was, Wayne it was Shorter, spiritual. It really Wayne was. Shorter is one of the greatest composers Absolutely. of the 20th century. Yeah. So, um, it was a privilege to be uh, part of that project. Right. And, and to make it work. I mean, you know, it was a lot of work. Oh. And, and, and uh, but, uh, Hopefully this year uh, people will get an opportunity to yeah, there was, share it. There was, it was an education for me to be there. 
I mean, you never stop learning about jazz. You learn. You, and you listen, and you just listen and see what's going on. You, you, uh, who was the piano player at the time? With Victor Gould. Victor Gould. There yes. was one scene. I'll never forget this. I don't know if you were in the studio, but I, I'll never forget the day I... He said, Victor, go play this. Yeah, and I was Vic, there. And, 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 and Wallace was just sitting. I never get this. And Wallace just said, eh, you know, hmm, it's not right there. So he pulled his iPhone or something out. And he pulled some track of the piano sound that he was looking for. And he all he said to him, put this on and listen to it. Right? Remember? Two, three yeah, minutes? Sure, sure. I, it I was mean, just magical. He gets it. Okay, and he goes in, and that's all. See, that's almost invisible language. That that's a that's a language of of music. Of right, this is how it's going to. It's a sound. lineage. It's a lineage. It's a history, but while it right. is telling this, it, it was a history lesson. Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, you see that, and then and then you you know you see um, it was difficult. It was a difficult recording. It was it was complex and. Uh, but everyone's attitude in it was, and they all well, we wanted to there, contribute to it. We Everybody, were, we were there for yeah. the music, absolutely, and 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 that was the most important thing. That was it. And you know what was really special and and uh, rewarding for me is when uh, Wallace played it for Wayne, yeah. and Wayne gave his thumbs up about it. Yeah. Which was really, really, beautiful. really great. It is, it is spiritual stuff. It is just, I, I mean, I get emotional about this stuff. Oh, sure. Because I think it's that important when you have, I'm fortunate to do, to be there. I was fortunate to want to do that. But I did it for the same reason I did the side door, because I want to be so authentic and make musicians shine for their work, you know, and, and make them come in. And, and um, I love people when they come in, you know, some people are, uh, they come in with the attitude about jazz and they kind of sit down like they own the joint and you sit there and go, oh boy, right? <laughs> and, you know, you don't have to say anything because then when the music starts, everything changes. Everybody's attitude changes. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. like in it. And, and, and you put them in that, in that, in that world, which was that same feeling of the recording that I want, you know, that Wallace is the genius as he is. Would take that trumpet in there, and you'd be playing. You'd be playing the drum, bang, 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 right. And he'd come in, and I'd sit. You know, this, this is, this is spiritual stuff. It was just beautiful well, music. Well, it is. It is. What are you gonna? So, uh, is your series gonna be called just live at the? You know, I haven't even. I'm still going through it, and the idea is to uh, call. I think in the notes. Of the album, it'll be discussed that uh, this is Nat Reeves. For you know, he's my man that I want to do this album with. That I want it to be about Nat, and I want it to be as authentic and live as I can make it. And 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 the idea of the club is what I'm selling is to hear the music at that moment, at that time. No mashed potatoes in your mouth, you know. No no highball getting thrown down your throat. But you're in there hearing it, and at the same time, I want the recording to reflect that. Yeah, so it's live at the exactly. side door. Exactly. Live at the side door. And this is the way we record it. You know, I think we can tweak this and tweak that. But I love the idea of, of being flat out 
you know, you were in those studios. You you did these things with yeah. musicians. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of guys come in and they go, we want to cut and paste and we can fix that problem. But, you know, that's what I kind of like some of the goofs. I like the problems. I like this, some of the, I like to hear the bass do certain things or, you know, and and, uh, and the comments. With Within conversations, you might have conflict. Yes. But it's how the conflict is re- Resolved, yes, in the conversation, and this is what people experience when people play live. Yeah, so we have to stay tuned for <laughs> live I, I, at the side, side door. door. And, and the idea, even you know, I remember doing the uh, um, Wayne Shorter music in, in Wallace and, and Buster was sitting there, and you're playing the drums. I mean, everybody was saying, and Buster would say, "Well, this is what I'm doing," and you're in there doing, you're doing. And, and, and the communication was just like, to me, uh, maybe disagreement, but they're all on the same page. You of know? course. It, the it's final result, final result is what is reached yeah. when yeah. there's that harmony within the music. Absolutely. And I think people need to see that. They need to feel it. Because I think... In the 30s, 40s, you went into these jazz clubs, and I see I never experienced that. I grew up in the 60s, 50s, you know, it was like Jimi Hendrix and get my ears blown out, you know. <laughs> you know, it was like I thought I was the coolest cat. I went to, was in Newport, and, and they had, you know, I went to see, you know, Jeff Beck or something, and I thought he was cool. I thought he was really cool. And then Rashawn Roland Kirk walked out on the stage. And he blew my head from here to China, man. He was so <laughs> far out, you know what I mean? But there was, there was <coughs> such a, uh, um, there's such a history in this music. Lenny. Oh, sure. You know, I, you know and, 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 and we need to take time in our lives to understand it. And, and, and the last thing I just feel is families were coming to the club. That's right. And people would go, and I go to these conferences, oh, what is jazz today? People aren't listening to jazz. But I walk in, and here's a guy, 80 years old, and there's his, you know, there's his son, and there's his son. So I have three different generations. Right. They're all in the room together listening to this music. And I said to myself, what other music can you literally get an entire family to see? Like if I took my dad and said, let's go see Jimi Hendrix. Dad, <laughs> you know what I mean? Dad would say, see you later. You know, or, uh, you know. But jazz is in us if we like it or not it's part of us it's part of us as, as human beings in this country with the music and I find that uh, the grandfather's talking about Art Tatum then the next guy's talking about John Coltrane and then the young kid's going oh no it's Brad Meltdown man so there's all this dialogue going on and it's about jazz music and I said to myself that's interesting because there's Carl Allen and then there's his brother playing trumpet. There's Mr. Whitfield, and there's his son playing. There's New Orleans, and you go into that, and you see the history of family in the music itself. It is so deep and rich that... Well, I'm the, glad that you can see that, and, yeah. and I have to commend you, Ken, because you're one of the people that have the wherewithal to be able to present this music mm-hmm. and present the music the way it should be presented. Right. And hopefully by your doing that, more people will get educated Mm -hmm. about what this music really is about. It's a heritage. Right. And it needs to continue to be projected. Yes. And added to and 
exposed. Right. And you're one of the people that uh, can do that, yep. and that's what you are doing. Yeah. And uh, I applaud well, you, well, and thank you so much. Thank you, and, and it's uh, it's a joy to be with you, and I love you to death, man. Cool, bro. <laughs> you are the best, man. Yeah, you thanks. get to talk to Lenny White, ladies and gentlemen. This is something, <laughs> you know. Well, well, thank you, man. And it's been come to the club and come I'll see be for there. yourself, man. I know you're coming. Cool. Everybody's gonna be happy. <laughs> we were happy at the club. Hey everybody, Lenny White again, and uh, this is a side note, and talking about the side door. It's a really great place, and it's in Old Lyme, Connecticut, and it's 85 Lime Street, Lyme, Connecticut. And if you get a chance, it's right off 95, you know, you go experience some great music, great camaraderie, and, you know, give Ken a hello. You can visit Ken online www.thesidedoorjazz.com Hey everybody, Lenny White here again and thanks for listening. Stay tuned for new podcasts coming from the IUE universe. For more information, visit our website at IUE.com, and that's spelled I-Y-O-U-W-E-E.com. See you next time.